There is no plan B. Even when I was starting Pianoly, people, they mean well, but people will be like, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if, what if this doesn't work? Blah, blah. And I just, I was like, it's going to work, period. I, mm. There's other people on this planet doing it, so there's no reason it shouldn't work. So over the last year, I have noticed in the zeitgeist and in the space that we're in on social media and just in the music school industry in general, there has been a move uh, or a shift in the way I think some school owners or some music educators are thinking. And I've seen an increasing number of people wanting to do online lessons. And I've seen an increasing number of studio owners, school owners wanting to build something online or build online music courses. I've seen an increasing number of coaches come out of the work and say, hey, I kind of specialize in that. Let me help you build your online music course. What my observation has been is that when you move from a local studio or local music school that's bound geographically, when you move from trying to promote that to trying to promote something that is or could be global, there is an order of magnitude of difficulty in building a company like that. And I've seen folks who are trying to build YouTube channels, trying to build an online presence, an online brand. And so I actually wanted to bring someone on today who's doing it. Um, and we had her on a couple of weeks ago, um, a, a, an old friend of mine, Caitlin Davidson, um, and she came on for five for five and gave like a really good interview there. If you haven't seen that, you should definitely check it out. It's episode 87. So go check that out. She gives some really good targeted advice about hiring a general manager and, and um, being able to be a little bit more disconnected from your school and building systems around that. But I wanted to bring her back because, and we didn't talk about this in the last episode, Caitlin, but she, while she's been running a studio with 400 plus kids in it, she's also been building a side business, an online brand on the side. And I wanted to bring Caitlin on to talk about that. So welcome back to the podcast, Caitlin. I'm really excited you're here. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So at the beginning of the last episode, I asked you to talk a little bit about Highland in downtown Atlanta and maybe give some basic details on that. So I think I want to start this episode by asking you, what is Pianoly? Um, what, uh, what is this online brand that you're building? Pianoly is an online program. And I say on my YouTube channel, I'm helping adult students go from struggling to learn the piano to being able to play their favorite songs in months, not years. So it's a different approach to learning the piano where they can play pop music. It's not a classical program. It's a popular music program where they learn more chord-based approach and are able to play songs that way, starting with chords. Interesting. Okay. Why did you start it? I will give you the honest story. Okay. I saw Tony Robbins many wow. years ago. Um, and when I saw Tony Robbins, he has quite an energy. If you've ever seen him in person, the energy about him makes you be like, I don't know. It's just like, whoa. <laughs> like You can watch him on YouTube, but it's very different in person. And um, I thought to myself, I had Highland. It was a lot smaller than... Um, but I had Highland and I was like, 
I wonder, I would love to make, I would love to impact the world instead of just Atlanta because Tony has that big energy. I was just yeah. like, oh, why, am, why do I think so small? And I looked into like franchising and like maybe I could have tons of music schools. And over time I was like, that doesn't feel good to me. I don't want to do that. And then one day, this is the honest story, <laughs> I was just getting a pedicure. <laughs> and I was not looking at anything on the internet or anything. And I was just like, oh, I could make it an online business. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I could have like a so social media presence. Like a lot of other people I follow in different topics. I was like, oh, I could make that for piano. Hmm. And it eventually connected to I Highland... As you've known since early on, I've, I know I've talked to you about this, like we have a lot of adult students for some reason. We've mm. always had so many adult students. And so I've taught a lot of them and I would use the method books that taught them and they would get mm. frustrated because they would be in those children's songs for so long and it was not motivating to them. But if you can teach them chords and things like this, they're moving along, they're playing songs they like, even if they're playing Let It Be, just the chords of Let It Be, that is really a lot more fun than playing Mary Had a Little Lamb. Right. Um, and so I would experiment with them doing different things and it eventually evolved over time. And one day, um, October, 2020, I just decided I'm doing this. Um, so the idea came before the pandemic. <laughs> a lot of people think it came during like, because of the pandemic that I wanted to do an online thing. But it, the idea came even like two years before that. I just wasn't ready to get going, I guess. And so then October 2020, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm taking it seriously. And I knew I wanted to make it an online course. And I had a general idea of the curriculum, though it, it evolved over time um, based on a lot of research I did and just working with students, the curriculum evolved. Um, and so that's kind of how it got started was I eventually just said, okay, we're going to do this now. <laughs> what, what was the signal to you that you knew that it was time to move forward? You said there was a gap of two years between when initially you had the idea and then when you actually started moving on it, what was there something that you can point to that, uh, that signaled to you it was time to go? I think it, I think actually getting going on it was probably a bit motivated by the pandemic. Mm. Um, sometimes in hard, like I've noticed this about myself, if I'm going through hardship, I become like some type of warrior and like just <laughs> want to like overcome it in like the most epic way. Um, and I think some of that did come from the pan pandemic, like just motivating me to like not be a victim of my circumstances and just move along with the things that I want to do. So I do think it was a bit motivated by it, though the idea came before that. Mm. What was your first step? What did you do first to get it going? This episode is sponsored by grouplessons.com. If you're looking for a group piano method that is easy to implement in your studio or school, look no farther than Piano Express from grouplessons.com. Because unlike most group piano methods, Piano Express allows students to make individual progress within the context of a larger group. And because of the at-home practice tools and gamified curriculum, 
students using the Piano Express method make faster progress than the average method book student. And that helps students feel excited, accomplished, and motivated to learn new music. Also, the system is really adaptable. We've got teachers using the system in their home studios, and we have many large commercial studios running our three-room model that allows you to see up to 24 students per hour with just two teachers. So if you'd like to learn more about Piano Express, navigate to grouplessons.com and sign up for a free demo. You'll get to look at the method, our app and teacher guides, and we'll even give you a sneak peek of our implementation plan that has helped hundreds of studios start their group program in just a few weeks. What was your first step? What did you do first to get it going? Um, I did a lot of research. So I had 50 research calls. Um, wow. And so what I did was I emailed my email list, the Highland email list that I already had. And I said, um, I'm looking for people who are interested in learning the piano. And I want to know your struggles, what your goals are, and stuff like that. But you have to be a beginner or you have to not have even started yet. Um, but they could take, they could be someone who took lessons as a child a little bit. Um, and so I interviewed all those people. I recorded all of the conversations. I took notes. And because of that, I deeply understand what these people think, how they feel, what's frustrating about learning the piano. And I think that really helped me get started on the entire thing. <laughs> When you say these people, are you talking adults in general, or did you find that there was maybe a sub niche that you catered to? I'm curious what you think about that. Um, a lot of the people who booked a call with me are people who took piano lessons in the past mm -hmm. and were frustrated. A lot of them took piano lessons for a year or two as a child, or they might have taken as an adult, and they really resonated with being stuck in children's music. And mm. so it kind of, it's a lot of those people. Interesting. Interesting. Is there anything else you learned from them that you thought was interesting that you, that you found fascinating or that impacted how you built your course? Yeah. A lot of people were just like, I just want to play songs. I like, I'm not, I don't want to be incredible. They were just like, <laughs> I just want to enjoy this. And a lot of regular piano lessons, um, I say like a lot of piano teachers teach adults like their children and it doesn't work for them, for most of them. It works for some of them. Some of them like that, but it's a small percentage. Most people just want to play songs they like and they don't want to be tortured by Mary had a little lamb and they love playing chords. That's not the only thing I teach, but that just getting started, that is so exciting to be able to play Let It Be or something simple like that from the beginning. Interesting. So do you have, so the, the, the stereotype in our industry is that adults don't last very long. Yes. That they don't stay in lessons very long. Do you, did you find at Highland and then now in Piano Lee, do you find that adults stay a lot longer with you? Well, my program has lifetime access. So yes, they stay with me longer. <laughs> um, it's not like a certain time frame. Um, but I will say the people who um, are joining my program, they're just thrilled. Like it's insane the, how excited they are to me, like that they found something that resonates with them instead of 
what they've been doing, which is the private lessons with the method books and so on. Right, right. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the business side of this. And I'm sure that the the educational side of this will come back into it. But um, have you found it more challenging to run an online business or brand than a local school like Highland? I've thought about this a lot. It's interesting comparing them. I think uh-huh. I might have um, like an interesting viewpoint because I started with the in-person music school first and that was my first business. So of course I'm going to have more rough experiences, like just cause I hadn't owned a business before. And so now like owning an online one, it feels a lot easier cause I know like what, what to look out for, even if they're little small things like somebody's, <laughs> this hasn't happened, but like maybe you might get a charge back or something, <laughs> just like little things, like how people interact with you, like difficult situations. Um, but the, I will say overall, the online business feels a lot easier. Um, but I do think it's because I already have experience and I know I just, because I've owned a business for like seven or eight years prior. So I think that definitely helps. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I'm going to stand in for the audience here just for a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to challenge what you just said, but to get your perspective on it. Because I do know a number of teachers that are trying to sell online lessons or trying to sell an online course. And the biggest challenge they find is getting people to find them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is getting people to, you know, you know, trust them. The the thing that I hear them say is that, oh, you know, people just want local lessons. They don't, they seem to be biased against that, but it sounds, it sounds to me as if you've maybe overcome that. If you're, if you're finding it to be easier to run this, maybe you found a way to overcome that. What do you think about everything I just said there? I'm just love your, I would love your perspective. Marketing for an online business is nothing like in person. And that's why I do not make Pianoly connected to Highland. They are not the same thing. They are for different people too. Um, So however you're marketing your music school brick and mortar, that is not how you're going to market your online course at all. Mm -hmm. It's just totally different. Um, I enjoy marketing. I love it. And I feel like one reason why I wanted to start the online course is because I could like do some things that you don't really do with an in-person business, like have a webinar or or things like that. I just, I love this. And maybe that's why it feels easier because I just love it. It is very fun to be. All right. Let's dig into that a little bit. Um, Let's look at three. I want, I want two bullet point lists of three things. Okay. So I'll try to keep this straight. What are the three top, the top three things you do to market Highland? And what are the top three things you do to market Pianoly? And I would just say lead generation. Like what are the three lead generators for Highland? What are the three lead generators for Pianoly? Um, so for Highland, we briefly took, we are not doing this right now, but I'm planning to add it back. Um, We have had introductory lessons and I put them at 50% off. Um, I know 
a lot of music schools, well, maybe some of them do 50% off, but I haven't seen it be that common. Um, we do that to get them in the door. Um, mm -hmm. And we do that for the music together classes as well, the mm. mommy and me music. Um, that's the main way that we get students for Highland Music Studio. Okay. Um, and then finding us on our website. Um, I do uh, also give flyers to local schools. Okay. Um, the local, so, some of the local schools have been great. Like we just were so easily able to put flyers into the kids' backpacks for an entire school. Um, and that was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, How did you get them to do that? I'm going off topic asked. here, but you just asked them. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they were like, yeah, we'll put them in their backpacks this week. Just give them to us by this day. Um, not every school does that. A lot of them won't let you do that. Um, but sure. we found, we asked around, um, and that has been helpful. I, I started that last year just to do something different and, um, that's been a big one. So I would say those are the two things that I do. Is do you website. do any kind of paid ads or SEO for Highland? Yes. Okay. So um, someone else does my SEO and we do some Google advertising. Okay. Um, though I've actually been turning down my ads a, a little bit because I feel like my SEO is working so good. Interesting. So. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I think that's a good list of bullet points there. I think you might have given me more than three. You snuck a few in there. I love it. Um, no, no, it's great. So, you know, going back to the, the to the thesis behind the question, you said it's very, very different marketing an online brand or a course or online. So what are you doing? What's your bullet point list of things that you're doing to to have people, specifically to have people find you? How do they find Panelly? What are you doing to get them to find you? I have a YouTube channel. I started okay. it the first week of January, started the year off strong. Um, I, like I said, I researched my people. I know what they, what their struggles are. I know what they're looking for. I just know my, my um, ideal client, what they're looking for. Mm. Um, and I do a lot of research. I do not just post a video on YouTube based on how, based on what I want to do. <laughs> it is so thought out and researched. So you really have to think about, you're not just doing this for you. <laughs> you're doing it for them. And um, what do people want to learn about? So I post once a week um, on YouTube, have been doing that since January. Um, my channel did well, very well from the first month. And then it kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, I also took a month off. So one of those months, I think maybe April, I didn't post at all. And that was because I was getting a video editor and I just wanted to... I had done about 10 videos and I was like, okay, I'm getting into a flow. I need to get an edi editor so I can do this a little bit better than I am now. So I took a little bit of a break, but then I came back around May. Um it was slow. I think that damaged my channel a little bit by taking a month off. It was slow and brutal. <laughs> it was brutal for a little bit. Um, and then July came. I was able to look at some of my past videos and be like, okay, these topics did well. Um, revisited some of the topics that were doing well um, and were resonating with people. Did videos on that. And now it is crazy. Um, I have 25,000 subscribers 
Um, and there's about 26 videos that I've posted. So that is how people find me is from the YouTube channel. But I do not just post random stuff. I really think it helps. Okay. Now, you had an exciting development recently. And again, I don't follow a lot of people on Instagram, but you are definitely one that I followed for years and years because, again, we go way back. Um, and I think you had a massive spike in subscribers, I think, in July of this year. Isn't that right? I did. I did. Okay. What did you do to, to make that happen? This episode is sponsored by BigMusicGames.com. As our listeners know, Brooklyn Music Factory is all about a fun, fluency-first approach to music lessons. And at the foundation of our teaching methods are rhythm, melody, harmony, and songwriting games that challenge students as young as four years old to train their ears and flex that musical mind. Because when you set an intention of gamifying every single lesson, you're going to find improved attendance, increased play at home, and higher student retention. So we've set up a website just for our listeners so you can start playing today. Go to bigmusicgames.com backslash 7FMS and create your free account. Again, that's bigmusicgames.com backslash the number 7 FMS. And if you join today, I'm going to send you a personal invite to join our weekly teacher training call with me and Greggy Bizzle, our chief game designer. Go ahead and put play back into practice with Big Music Games. What did you do to, to make that happen? I knew which video topic did well based on, again, the videos that Right. I observed that did well in the past. I didn't know it was going to do as well as it did. I didn't yeah. know it was going to go like crazy on YouTube. So um, a video of mine about arpeggios um, just shot off. And then ever since then, YouTube, I guess, I don't understand the algorithm. None of us totally sure. understand it. Yeah. Um, YouTube was like, oh, people like you. So then they start shooting off all these other old videos. And it's like... Mm. It's <laughs> just now all of them are like, woo, going crazy. Wow. So it's like I hit like some, I proved to you the YouTube algorithm that people <laughs> like what I'm doing. And now they're like, okay, we trust you. And so they're like pushing my channel a lot ever since then. Interesting. Okay. So it's one thing to, to be discovered. The discoverability is, is huge. And, and if you get the algorithm on your side, like you're saying, that's awesome. How did you actually turn subscribers into customers? What are you doing that's turning subscribers into customers of your online course? Um, so I have a webinar that my that they can watch, a free training. Mm -hmm. So they're going to go through that webinar. Um, at the end of it, everybody does this differently. So there's so many ways you can do this part of it. Yeah. Some people you can purchase right after the webinar. For me, I invite them to schedule a call. Um, so once they schedule a call, I'm currently the one doing the calls. Um, and then I have a call with them and then they can decide if they want to purchase with me from there. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And uh, your training, it's a, it's a one-time cost and they have a lifetime access to it. Is that right? Um, yes. Yeah, so my online course, there's one fee and then they have lifetime access. Do you have any sort of recurring revenue upsell or downsell or anything like that? I'm curious. Nope. It is just this one course. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, 
How much of a difference did that viral video, the the one in July, how much of a difference did that make? You don't have to get into like specific numbers. I know that's probably maybe something you want to keep a little bit, maybe, maybe you want to keep it a little bit on the hush hush. Um, but did you see that making a big difference in the number of people that were actually coming into the training? Absolutely. Um, okay. I, it was, it was shocking. Like it was about 2000 something people in June. And now, like I said, it's over 25,000. And so because I'm getting so many more views and subscribers, yeah, that creates more people going into my webinar. Do you promote the webinar on in the content or just in the description on YouTube? Um, I promote it in both. Okay. Okay. Are you doing YouTube shorts at all? No, I'm not. Okay. Are you doing YouTube ads at all? No. All right. Was just checking, just just asking. You know. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, it'd be interesting um, to dive into that maybe a little bit. Um, so maybe as we go into the <laughs> into the wrap up here, and I'll just say this. I'm always saying, oh, let's wrap up. And then I usually have like another 20 minutes after I start saying that. But um, um, let me just ask like a really blunt question here. Would you recommend others do this? Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, there's a lot of reasons. Um, mm. One, I do feel like it depends how you look at it. Like you asked if this was easier or not. Mm. It depends how you look at it. I think some people would find the beginning of making this challenging because you have to have unwavering faith that it's going to work out because it's a lot of work up front with no pay. Yeah. Tons of work up front with no pay. Um, sorry, I completely forgot the question. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> would you recommend that other people do this was, was the question. Yeah. I, yes, I would. Like I said, um, I would recommend that they still do it, um, even if there's a lot of upfront work. Um, if you want, like, there's a lot of reasons, like I said, there's a lot of work up front. But if you can get past this, it is worth it. Because it's not just the, like, it's easier to profit from something like this than a music school. Um but it's also, I found it very fulfilling that, you know, as music teachers, we often use a method book created by someone else, but it's really cool to see people so excited and really learning from something that you created entirely. Mm -hmm. um, I just have found that so fulfilling. Um, and so that's, it's just like bringing me a lot of joy, just seeing students like go from struggling to playing songs they actually enjoy and being shocked by that. Hmm. Um, so I would recommend it a lot of work up front, a lot of marketing skills that you need to acquire. Um, and that might be challenging for some people. Like I said, I love marketing, so it was just fun for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, recommend it because also you, you don't, you're not stuck in one location. And so I thought like, Oh, I can move some somewhere else. Where would I move? Right. These thoughts have crossed my mind. For sure. Um, I feel more free, like even though nothing has really changed, I'm not doing anything different, but I'm just like, oh wow, like where is life gonna take me now? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I haven't thrown my two cents in here very much during this interview, but 
I think this is a place where I, I do feel strongly as well. And that is just to say that kind of my preconceived notion was that when I discovered, you know, quote unquote, online marketing 11 years ago, um, you know, I had a friend that, hey, you should check out this podcast. It was the Pat Flynn podcast. And I started listening to all these interviews and it started giving me all these ideas about marketing, things I'd never considered. And I started listening to the podcasts of the people he was interviewing and then listening to the people that they were interviewing. And it just got me into this web of things. And what I thought was, it's almost like the opposite conclusion that you've come to. And I, I don't think that invalidates yours. I think we're thinking about it in different ways. But I found that learning all of these online marketing tools that were designed for global competition made it actually much easier to market my local studio. So here I'm like taking all these heavy duty tactics and these things that people in the local area just wouldn't even consider. And I'm bringing them to bear. And I just, I dominated this area's marketing so much that I literally would go to MTNA meetings and I, I, I will never forget this. I had a teacher say, Daniel, save some students for the rest of us. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, I would just say that I echo, I echo what Caitlin's saying here in that, um, when I wanted, I started to build like an online business. I started to build several and I had this series of, I won't call them failures. I will call them experiments. I had this series of experiments that I ran that really weren't all that profitable. And maybe I gave up a little too easy on them. Maybe I didn't have that stick-to-itiveness that Caitlin's talking about here. But at the end of the day, as I got deeper into them, I actually found that I actually wasn't all that passionate. I was a little more mercenary about it. I didn't have like the love that you have clearly for your customer and that sort of thing. I was just like, hey, let's see if I can make some money drop shipping things from China, you know, but I didn't really have passion there. The thing that I stuck to was this, obviously. And, um, and so I, I would just say that for those listening, I really do think that she's 100% right in that you've got to believe in it. You've got to want to do it. And that's true whether you're building an online brand or whether you're building a local school. Um, you need to do it enough until you love it. Yeah, I, I mean, there's going to be points where you feel kind of crazy. Like, there are some videos on my YouTube channel that did very badly. And like, there was a point where my channel was so slow. And I was like, gosh. But I kept going with like belief that it will work out. Yeah. Um, but there was like a few months where I was like, man, this is slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe again, in wrapping up, if you were to teach someone how to do this, what would your first couple of steps be for them? If you were teaching them like, hey, here's how to get your online course off the ground. Here's how to you know, interpret this however you want. I, mm -hmm. I'm just curious what your first couple steps would be to teach them. I would narrow down what you're planning to teach. Um, then I would do a bunch of research on people who are, would want that product. Um, so that could be having phone calls with people. Um, then I would start, um, selling it before you even make it and teach it live first. Mm. So, and... Right now, my online course is pre-recorded, um, but there was a previous version where I taught it to actual students live, and mm. I tested to make sure it worked. How many years ago was that? 
Um, that was in that started January 2021. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just point out that, you know, the blowing up of the channel over a six to seven month period, the roots of that are several years old. And I, I will admit that um, I took my time. Um, I did not want this to stress me out in any way whatsoever. So I took my time and um, I didn't rush it. So I do think you could do it faster than I did it for hmm. sure. Interesting. Uh, but I just, I didn't push anything. I was just like, this is going to be my side thing right now. And I'm yeah. going to keep going even if I'm a turtle. That actually leads me. So I, I had a number of questions I wanted to ask you beforehand that I wrote down. And I've asked a lot that I didn't write down in advance just because I didn't know what you were going to say. But this actually leads me to the very last question I wanted to ask you, which was if you had a time machine and could go back and do something differently, would you? And if you would, what would you change? <laughs> I would. <laughs> um, so I don't regret anything about the live teaching or anything. That was great and really helpful. Um, but then after that, I made my course pre-recorded and I filmed all of it. Um, and I edited all of it and I highly regret editing all of it because that took me a really long time. And if I just hired an editor, I could have launched my YouTube channel sooner than I did and everything would have been faster and I would be more head than where I am now. I feel good about where I am now, but I would be for sure farther ahead than I am now. Interesting. Do you have, what are your plans for the next year for Piano Lee? I am kind of adopting the same motto where I, I'm going to keep uploading every week and um, keep adjusting my funnel, like my webinar, um, tweaking things based on what I'm learning, how people are reacting to things or just keeping the data of everything and tweaking things as I go. Um, so yeah, I just plan to keep going with it as I am. Um, maybe hiring more team members to do the calls. Um, right now I'm the one doing the calls. Honestly, enjoy them. <laughs> but mm. um it wouldn't be practical for me to be the only one doing it because then I couldn't take a vacation, you know. Right. <laughs> so I need someone else to do it. Um, and they are starting to become more of time-consuming in my day-to-day. -day. So Interesting. Just, I think to sum up the answer to that question, probably just continue growing it as I am because what I'm doing I feel like is working. Um, continue to learn from the videos I've made and continue improving, continue improving my funnel and growing the team. And yeah, just seeing where it goes from there. Even even maybe team members within the course, like other teachers to help me teach them too. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned Tony Robbins earlier and, and I mentioned just in, in knowing you for as long as I have, you and I share kind of common DNA in that I think we're always thinking about self-development, self-education, reaching out for help, hiring coaches, that sort of thing. Are there any resources that you can think of that were especially 
influential on you as you were building or thinking about building Pianoly? Was there anything in particular that you feel really helped you in tackling this new business challenge? Yeah, I hired a mentor and it was never, it was not me just magically knowing how to do everything. I had a mentor helping me. And was this someone who had done it before themselves or was this someone who was maybe more general and just like building online businesses? It's not, it was not a musician. It was just more of someone who's general. Yeah. Interesting. But, but they, even though they were general, were they generally online brand focused or were they YouTube focused or like how specific to what you built in terms of the business structure? um, How germane was their past experiences to it? I'm just curious. So the reason I picked this mentor was because it was everything that I needed. I Mm. knew that just from my music school, when people would inquire about lessons, they would, some people would say, I've been learning on YouTube or looking at YouTube and that got me started. And so I knew that my people were there because it's obvious that for a piano, uh, learning piano, it's not going to be a podcast because you need to see the piano on the screen. Um, So it's not going to be able to be a podcast. So it it was pretty obvious that I needed to do it on YouTube. Um, Mm. And so this mentor knew all about YouTube, how to do well on YouTube, um, and also how to grow an online course from YouTube. Wow. That's really cool. Any last things that you would, uh, like if (laughs) if you were interviewing yourself, what question would you ask you? And if nothing, we'll just go into the close there. But I just thought I'd give you that op- option or opportunity to maybe add anything that you thought, oh, I would really want people to check out this resource or I'd give them this bit of advice or something like that. Um, if you want to do this, <laughs> there is no plan B. Gosh, I, I tell this to people all the time. Like, even when I was starting Pianoly, people, they mean well, but people will be like, well, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if what if this doesn't work? And I just, I was like, it's going to work. Period. I, Mm. there's other people on this planet doing it. So there's no reason it shouldn't work. All you do is you just keep going until you figure it out. But there's no, what if it doesn't work? There's no reason you should even say that at all. I get very passionate about this. (laughs) Like there's other piano courses and they work. So there's no reason you should think, what if it doesn't work? You just have to keep going and figure out what is working. And then you keep running towards what is working and don't do the things that don't work. That's what I would say. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.